0: Hello and welcome back to Drift Proofing. This is the podcast that's gonna help you find a little bit more meaning and direction in your life. My name is Andrew Cipriano, and as always, I will be your host for this podcast. Uh, today I have a special guest that's joining me, and he is actually a stand-up comedian. So this is gonna be a very interesting episode, and he is in fact my older brother, Jim. That is Jim with a G, there is no J in the Italian alphabet. So we're going to talk about comedy, um, where he's been in comedy, how he got started in stand-up comedy, Uh, Like, where do you even start stand-up comedy, you know? um, Getting up in front of people and telling jokes, that's so intimidating. Uh, We're going to talk about where he wants to be in five to ten years and just, you know, where he's headed. And then we're also going to talk about uh, what he's doing now. So, it's going to be very interesting. He has obviously been a huge influence in my life and I've seen him drifting for a long time in 30 different directions. So we're going to talk about that today and kind of try to get to the bottom of it. But as for right now, he's doing really good and uh, he has a little more direction than he used to. So this is going to be a podcast with me and my brother, Jimmy. I hope you guys enjoy and uh, hopefully he'll make you laugh a few times. We're related. <laughs> this is my older brother and um, I'm just excited for this episode. So just in case anybody cares, this episode is going to be a little bit less um kosher than Formal? most Formal? Formal, yeah. Uh, because we're brothers and that's just the format. So um, like normal, we're going to kind of talk about what Jimmy's doing, where he's going, why he's doing it, and what makes him want to get out of bed and not commit suicide every day to be quite forward about it. Well, up until today, I didn't even have that thought. So thanks for putting that in there. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I just want to start off with Jimmy. So kind of tell us a little about yourself. Whatever the hell you want to tell me about or other people. My name is Jim. I am 28 years young uh i love beaches
1: um now what i do is stand-up comedy but i haven't been as up on it lately i've kind of been in this weird flux state of it he
0: should correct he hasn't been doing it
1: publicly lately but he's been doing it in our family all the time (laughs) how dare you (laughs) yeah i haven't been doing it as much lately i'm kind of deciding where in comedy i want to fall whether it's stand up or improv or anything like that i've been doing some like corporate gigs which don't I mean they're kind of specific you write the material just for them so it's not like you can really go and use that elsewhere but I'm
0: almost positive the corporate gig you're referring to is that you did a joke set in front of our elementary school principal is that correct
1: it's been school stuff lately I got booked (laughs) again through the schools and I'm doing work with them but that's like pretty much what's keeping it alive at the moment and uh I don't know I'm at the point in the uh Eye of the Tiger song where it's, you must fight just to keep them alive and referring to your dreams. All right. That's where we're
0: at. Yeah. So um, Jimmy's been doing stand up for a long time. Actually, he's been making, he always wanted to get into entertainment. Um, And this is just a cool conversation because I know a lot about him. So I'm going to really probe him on kind of the psychology of what's happening. But also, where have you been? Like, he used to make videos when we were, I don't know, I was probably five years old and he was making videos with a camera recorder back when YouTube was so cool. YouTube is still cool. Okay. Old YouTube. Old YouTube.
1: Yeah. um, I don't know. I'm still doing the sketches, but they've kind of fallen off lately. It's just this. Honestly, this last year of COVID has been very weird. It's like been a whole year of reflection and going back and looking at just not only what you've done, but where you're going and all that fun stuff. So right now it's uh, it's on track and I know where I'm going so we can get into that if
0: you want to. But also, um, yeah. Yeah, actually, I'd really like to get into all of that. So tell me what your plans are right now and what's happening in your life.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to Motion Picture Institute in September, mm-hmm. yep, and uh, that'll be cool, that's like a full-scale film production, It's almost, it seems like a, what's the word I'm looking for, you get like a certificate, it's a year-long program, but it teaches you like full-scale production and writing and marketing your stuff and all that, and then it networks you at the end of it and tries to place you in a job, so I'm looking forward to that.
0: Um, so why, why are you going to film school? How does that relate to stand-up comedy?
1: Yeah, so stand-up comedy has always been kind of like, you know, I, I don't know exactly if it's going to be where I hang my hat. It's something I love doing. Um, but I'm not like, I mean, at this point, I'm not like going out there every single week, five days a week doing stand-up comedy. So, like, I know comedy and humor is something I really want to be able to create and put out into the world. But how I do that is still kind of up in the air right now. Like, improv is something I'd really like to start getting into. Um Cool. Um,
0: that's actually good. So I think that all of that industry really does relate together.
1: Yeah. And it'll be nice to get to a point where like, you know, once I'm writing something, I actually know productively what I can do with it and where I can go with it. I'd like to really get into film festivals too. That's something that I've always wanted to do.
0: Cool. So can you tell, um, the listeners a little bit about up comedy? Because I think that's very interesting for a lot of people. A lot of people see that as a complete pipe dream. um, that they would never actually go for but they like joke around in their head you know or kind of wish upon a star but never actually act on
1: yeah i think it's i mean i love doing it it's a really good feeling when you do well it's a horrible feeling when you do wrong but like you just got to get over that and kind of put it in perspective it was like laugh at it like you got to be able to laugh at yourself for sure and it makes a lot of other things in life seem very easy when you go out and you put yourself in a vulnerable position like that and you it doesn't work out for you then you're like well you know, nothing can really be worse than that in my day-to-day life.
0: So, um, honestly, one of the big things that inspired me about actually following whatever dreams I have and trying to do this and make creative stuff was Jimmy. I cannot... I gave him a lot of shit, but he actually went out and did stand-up shows. Um, so do you want to tell a little bit about the class you took at Mark Ridley's? I just wanted to kind of go through the process so people know... What the hell do you have to do to get into scene comedy? Because I don't think anyone's brave enough to just jump on stage randomly.
1: There is, I mean, a lot of people do it that way. A lot really? of people just go in and jump on stage. I took the class because I wanted to, like, you know, network and get to kind of in the scene, dip a toe, see if it was even something I wanted to do. And I loved it right away. It was really fun. Um, but there's a lot of people that just jump right into it. And I know the class gets some shit on the comedy scene because some people are like, oh, what you? Who, what kind of class teaches comedy? And it's like, it's not really about that just kind of like, you know, a more formal way to get into it and learn a little bit about it before you just dive in or some people jump into it halfway through their career. But
0: it was useful. So how old were you and what did you kind of what led up to you wanting to stand up because I know that's important for a lot of listeners. I think I was I was 19 or 20 and I just I
1: knew it it was something funny. So I wanted to do. I wanted to do something creatively funny. And um what got me into stand up honestly was it's completely free to go do like you don't need any equipment you just do it yourself you put yourself out there and i liked the purity in it in the sense that like you know if you're not funny you'll know that immediately like there's no instant feedback so oh, important. instant feedback yeah it is it's like there's no bells and whistles like most people aren't going up there with like carrot top props or anything like that so it's just you saying what you think is funny and sometimes it's funny to other people and that's your job is just to make your point of view Funny To other people, also, but sometimes
0: it is not <laughs> okay. So, can you tell us like what did you what have you been doing since you got into comedy? Like, how are you su- supporting yourself? Because I think people don't jump on whatever dreams they have because of that initial security fear. Yeah, so I've never had the goal of
1: like making a ton of money right up front. I've always looked at it as like you know, money is kind of just means to doing what you want to do in life. But I've had so many different jobs. I mean, I worked with you at a bunch of them. I was a technical recruiter for a while. Mm -hmm. I've had manual labor jobs. I've been in an office, out of an office. Like, I've had so many jobs. Just, I'm door dashing at the moment. I think
0: think that Jimmy's job career is part of his comedy set. Yeah, (laughs) at this point, like, just reading my resume is pretty funny. (laughs) Right. What was the one? Ice cream (laughs) driver? Uh, oh, you
1: mean Iced Foods Delivery Transporter? Okay, so this yeah. guy literally
0: goes out. He works at FedEx for, like, what, two weeks? He actually was one I of the guys... I worked
1: works- at FedEx for, like, a year. <laughs> he
0: actually was one of the guys that got bit in the ass by a dog. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I did get my rabies shots for that.
0: <laughs> we were seriously Some concerned. Some good did come out of it. <laughs> His hair started growing out. We were actually concerned he had rabies. Yeah. Um, I do. So what do you want? Like, what is what you're hoping to get out of film school? Just out of curiosity, because we've so had, go ahead. D-
1: Yeah, down the road, I'd love to have a production company where, like, you know, I'm creating movies or going to film festivals and doing that stuff, or even just hoeing out my services in some capacity where, like, you know, I'm creatively being able to exercise myself. But for the time being, I think what this is going to turn into is you know, I go through this program and then I end up getting a job probably lower than what I'm looking for, but that'll at least be in the field and on the track that I'm looking to get into.
0: Yes. Can I jump in really fast? So yeah. um, just to put it out for anyone who wants to start in a career they actually want, you're going to start at the bottom uh, oh, yeah. and you have to expect that. That's like part of the whole hero's journey thing. If you guys want to look that up, you have to be the fool and you have to continually be the fool. So if you think you're going to jump in to a job that you actually want to have as a dream job, there's no freaking way in hell you're not going to start like at the lowest position possible.
1: Yeah, and it's really, I think the goal
0: at this point is just to get into a field that isn't a waste of time for the real goal that you have. I agree. So that's what, me and Jimmy have had a ton of conversations, and they're always fun and lighthearted, but um, he's a great person to have on this podcast because I want to emulate kind of like what it feels like to be trying to carve your own path and have life coming at you while you're trying to do that. Oh, life comes hard. Yeah, and he's great because he's had so many jobs, and not a lot of them have been in the field he wants, but through all of it, I'll give him the credit, he's been doing some comedy, He's trying to write a screenplay right now, which we can kind of get into if you want to. No one's going to steal it, in my opinion. We can do
1: it. I swear to God, if there's a screenplay made of this, (laughs) I'm going to trace it back to this podcast. He'll find you. He was also a PI for a while, believe it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Still practicing. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So let's talk about um, your screenplay, because I think it's inspiring to kind of just go over and see the baby version of what you want to have. Yeah.
1: So it's actually, it's, I mean, you know it just from living part of it, but it was back in the day, I think 2008, when all of. The uh, housing markets and all that crashed. Our dad lost his job, and we had this point where we were like, All right, do we, you know, there were all these different ways that we could have gone with handling that. No, we went from upper middle class to trashy middle class. Oh, we've (laughs) been trashy middle class. (laughs) But um, (laughs) we could never afford sleeves. They took our shirts. No, they. uh, They pretty much had a bunch of choices, and one of the choices that I loved, which they didn't go with, was opening a campground in the Upper Peninsula, which I always just thought that was a badass idea. But we instead uh, took the opposite approach; we moved like a block away, and then and pretty much just did the campground approach anyway. We yeah. <laughs> a nicer house than we should have. Yeah, and um, so with the screenplay is just what like you know a family a lot like ours that had a rough time in the early two thousands and decided to uproot and go somewhere where. They uh they didn't know anyone, and I really like the idea of like you know this being a show more than a movie, just because you can continuously have new people coming into the campground and stuff like that. And...
0: Yeah, and there's no way you could tell that whole story in a, sh- in a movie, in my opinion. No,
1: no, I think there's just like nowadays that sounds old, but there's so many more, there's so much more possibility for like story development and character development if you go to a show instead of a movie.
0: Yeah, and it's just something you can you want it to become like a a fan favorite, you know, and you can't really binge a movie like you want. The characters get deep, right? And I don't know, which is interesting. The characters we have are awesome because literally, he doesn't have to get creative on the characters. Our family is ridiculous. Well, the material's
1: there. I've just been writing it for years. Yeah, so like, <laughs>
0: could you give us just kind of an example of an episode or just like some characters you're thinking about that are interesting? Oh, so episode one,
1: dad gets fired
0: for sure. Yeah. Explain, like, explain our dad to the,
1: <laughs> to the listeners. Okay. I can, uh Let's see. So I don't know, kind of like a, like a Bruce Campbell, Randy Quaid, but at this point he was a little more professional. So like. I don't know. Maybe a cousin Eddie with his shit together. Yeah, no, to know you know what? At this
0: point, it was he was more. more it,
1: Tony Soprano is a lot like who Dad I was acted like too. and looked like and was in this time. He actually
0: period. okay. So right when he got unemployed in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, he literally the Sopranos, and his character slowly shifted. Into I Tony swear, Soprano. like.
1: He, we've known he knows Italian, but watching The Sopranos, I'm pretty sure he just got it all from The Sopranos. <laughs> literally,
0: so we have these maron. jokes. Literally, whenever we go to these family parties, we have these jokes where we walk up and start talking in gibberish to random people and high-five at them, and this is literally what our dad does when he walks into a party, or at this point in his life, any kind of a setting that's social. You shoulda died, Palamaron. Palamaron, hey, ah, oh, but like, that's really how our family is. It's like that, our dad's side's like that really corny Italian, and then the right- they're like the hard Italian,
1: side. and then our mom's side is like corn Italian. Like our grandpa grew up in New York, mm-hmm. and our grandma grew up in Indiana. So yep. it's
0: like, and then growing up, our family lived in a house with. So it was me, my older brother, my twin David, and then um, my dad, my mom, my uncle from my mom's side lives on our basement, and then my grandpa moved in. So it's it was a mad house. was literally like we could have. They call it the mountain. Our house. It just I don't know where it came from, but it's hilarious, and we could have a whole sitcom. It's pretty much what the campground's going to be, but it's yeah, going to be a camper is. instead of a house, which should have been all along. Yeah, <laughs> the first episode is like, I. the point I'm
1: trying to get at right now is like, I feel like your characters, you and David, should be younger because I feel like it adds more of an arc to it if you guys are younger because like, I don't know, you, you guys both. David has literally stayed the exact same person yeah, his entire life.
0: Like He's always been the same that's person. That's why he doesn't want to come on this podcast. I'm like, what are you doing with your life? Let's talk about it. Let's make jokes and shit. And he's like, I have nothing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> he really he's going
1: to run for office one day and he's going to be <laughs> very incriminating. For him. Uh,
0: so David went and got a poly sci degree and then he's working for like a weed dispensary company getting licenses for the state of Michigan. I think it's hilarious that that's where he ended up. Yeah. What it, dad says about David, he could walk
1: blindfolded through a, through a field of cow shit and come out clean on the other side. He does he's just do He's going to fall through life in a very favorable way for him. Yeah,
0: like me and Jimmy have had a ton of conversations about what we're doing, where we're going, all this kind of stuff, and we get deep about it. And David, I'm literally like, what are you doing? He goes, I don't know. I'm just kind of doing whatever comes up in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. It's hilarious that he can do that, but I'm way too high strung to let that I know. Out.
1: It works for him, though. He just goes with it. I'll give it to him.
0: So um, on top of the screenplay, what other stuff are you doing? Because I've heard in that you have to do like 10 years of stuff to become an overnight sensation and you have to like be doing five or six different avenues. I don't know, man. I
1: think it's easier now with like TikTok. I know a lot of people that have just blown up on TikTok and it's like, it's not necessarily for themselves a lot of the times though. It's like for kind of an alter ego or something like that, but it is a good way to get a following.
0: No, so we should talk about this. This is very interesting psychologically. So Jimmy, I'm not going to say the name that seems inappropriate, but he worked for somebody that did blow up on TikTok. Um, can we talk about it? Is that okay? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I don't care. I don't think he's ever going to listen to this podcast. Um, If he does, I'll be eating these words in a couple years, but I'll still be (laughs) laughing about it. So um, one of Jimmy's jobs was he started doing TikTok with this guy that blew up. And, um, you know, in one of my podcasts earlier, we talked to Sarah, and she was hula hooping a lot. And she said that she had to go on screen and become someone who she wasn't. And that's where it fizzled out for her. Um, And I think this is kind of what happened to the guy that Jimmy was helping out. Do you want to tell us about the story? He's still doing well.
1: He's just, you know, he he blew up doing a character, essentially. So now it's like the character is is a loose rendition of him, but it's not him fully. So, like, it kind of, I don't know, b- being that close to it kind of set my eyes open a little bit more as to, like, what I want to do and where I want to be and what I want to put out there. And, and how genuine you want to be. I'd I'd rather be, and not, not to discredit him or say anything against him, but, like, I'd rather be 100% myself, if I'm going out and, like, promoting myself as a... And, like, it's, you know, it's one thing to do characters. Like, Adam Sandler's got a billion characters, but, like, Mm. you still know who Adam Sandler is. Yeah,
0: and he never really consumed a character to where it wasn't Adam Sandler. It was always Adam Sandler's real personality. Yeah, in one way
1: or another. But go, go. Yeah, in one way or another, it's (laughs) Adam Sandler.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but really, so I think that's a huge thing. I think if you have to do something or you're on a a path and you don't, you can't be yourself and you can't be genuine and you have to literally stick your head in the sand... Um, And you're not being yourself. I don't think that's the right path. That's my opinion. If you're doing character comedy suit, like you said, that's cool. But if you have tricked, you know, all of your followers into thinking this is who you are when really it isn't, that's not good. And like, again, Adam Sandler never did that. Adam Sandler was always Adam Sandler doing a character. It wasn't this character. And now that guy's Adam Sandler.
1: That's my boy. May have been Adam Sandler. That
0: may have been him. That's
1: who <laughs> we. Yeah. If anyone's names. ever
0: seen that's my boy, that is the best. That's our fan favorite in the household, yeah,
1: for it's, sure. Favorite Adam Sandler. You want to see what our family
0: looks like? Jump into that movie. You no, know,
1: I get a lot of shit for that opinion because it's widely regarded as a bad Adam no, Sandler movie. But no, that is the best. It's the best one out yeah, there. Maybe
0: we grew up with a bias, but that fucking movie Drew, is hilarious. You're
1: overexposing yourself right now. You've lost all credibility. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. So this is the thing though. Like I do want to. I want to do this podcast. I want to make it like you know psychological and stuff. But there's a huge element of my soul that is just I have to be able to joke like I have to be able to tell people well yeah that's
1: you, ultimately like why I want to do stand-up is because yeah. like stand-up a good medium for it but like I just want to do funny stuff yeah forever
0: and you want to do it in your own way and yeah. that's what makes it likable like I don't want to come on this podcast and be like oh positive psychology you know smile more I don't because I don't believe that to be true I want to put in all the you have to have a sense of humor you have to talk about the negative shit you have to that's literally true. I mean literally I like point-blanking people not in the psych ward because that seems inappropriate but Literally, what do you get? no seriously? What do you get up and do every day that makes you not want to kill yourself? Well, these it pills harsh.
1: right here, <laughs> and it really? goes in that, the psych yeah, and I know,
0: but it's not their choice most of the time, so I know no, it's I not know. harsh. It's I hard joke at the psych
1: ward, but that's only because I'm not in it, so yeah, so <laughs> yeah. Talking,
0: imagine this dichotomy. I'm working the psych ward, my brother's a stand up comedian, so there's been a lot of conversations about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you'll see me there one night huh i'll be in there <laughs> i've already seen a
0: lot of jim dakwa <laughs> just kidding <What? laughs> um so okay so what are you doing film school like what do you want to get uh, just to do the screenplay or like you know there's connections like, i'd make? like
1: to make the connections that's ultimately why i keep justifying it is because like i'm not going to get connections in michigan doing this and they have a, a national connection system that they can network you through and stuff like that so that's this seems like the safest way to go about it that at least gets you into the
0: field at a respectable place, I had to know that at one point during this conversation, you were going to pick up the mic and do a bit out of it. Yeah, <laughs> have mic stands, and he's picking it up and holding it. I think it's hilarious. You're literally... I'm ready to rant. <laughs> I mean, he always goes in his comedy sets, He's like, "Oh my god, oh move my over!" God. I'm waiting for him to do one of those. Like god. <laughs> then I'll know it's time to change the subject. Um, but okay, okay, but really, so. I want you, because everyone has trouble doing this. I think you've had trouble, too. I know you have. Um, Visualize what you want to get out of film school. Like If you could get out of this and it'd be in two years down the road, do you want to be doing movies? Do you want to have your screenplay off the ground? Do you want to be surrounded by actors and... And film comedians. like What do you want to get out of this year? I'd film like,
1: school? I mean, after film school I would love to get into festivals. I would love to start actually producing films that are worthy enough to go into festivals and get judged mm-hmm. by critiques.
0: And then I'm going to say this too. This is a plug. So me and Jimmy have made YouTube videos and they're totally inappropriate and hilarious, but it's a bit too much. Literally all one word. A A-B-T-M,
1: A-B-T-M. A bit too much.
0: Yeah, on YouTube. If you guys want to check that out, this stuff is hilarious. And We're going to be
1: doing more of them too. I'm going to be doing more and it's Like, there's a little bit of a lull right now, but they're pretty good what we've done so far. Yeah, and
0: so this is hard, too. So me and Jimmy were doing all during quarantine, we are making these videos, and they're awesome, but we didn't get the response we wanted, and I think it's because we didn't market it correctly. There's a whole lot of reasons, but we kind of fizzled out, and I think a lot of, I take it back, a lot of people do this that never really reach what they want to do and never get there, and...
1: You expect immediate results, and then you just get frustrated when you don't get them, yeah.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about this. I liked the A Bit Too Much videos. What is something you could do after film school to where you could ignite that and keep it lit?
1: Well that would be great with the production company too is like to create a youtube that you're doing that stuff with under the production company so name
0: i think would be cool you, What do you want to do like an llc production company where it's not really costly to get it started or Probably
1: an llc yeah i mean or i don't know if, if it's just me doing it like i don't i haven't looked into all the business side of it maybe a sole
0: proprietorship and maybe then, a corporation Yeah so to, to say to throw this into if anybody listening wants to give me a dm please let me know we were thinking about doing this um production company and then also primarily making income initially with ads for like small businesses and going it's so like our cousins owned a pizzeria and there's this thing called the spanky. It's like their sub, their meatball sub Get whatever. Spanx. Yeah, so we want to do an ad where we go in there and it's like completely satire and ridiculous and whatever. The the tag phrase or is whatever is kitsch that get spanked thank you uh-huh. <laughs> couldn't spank myself today <laughs> um so yeah we wanted to do like funny stuff we did one if you guys look at our channel a bit too much on youtube uh it's for your vape shop there's just a vape shop around us oh yeah the halloween one. and we dressed up as as dracula and did like a funny bit you know dracula sucking out on vapes and it was funny
1: it was good you know what i i liked what we were doing i think we just got to a point and that that's also when i started working for the tiktoker too so it got to a point where like You know, it's hard to balance life and a job (laughs) with something that takes so much. Jim
0: got sucked into big TikTok.
1: Yeah, I did. Yeah, (laughs) I sold out. I went corporate.
0: (laughs) Um, So really, though, that's one of the things I want to focus on a lot here. And I'm going to talk to a lot of people who are in the psych field and who are studying psychology and psychiatry and just trying to find out what drives them and keeps them going. I think with a lot of people, it is that structure of school. And that's why it's so... You know, that's why it's so hard not to go to school and still make something of yourself for a lot of people because you have to have that drive and you have to have that flame ignited and have to keep it lit without deadlines and stuff that are set by an institution. Oh,
1: yeah, it's very easy to... I mean, right now I'm literally doing DoorDash as money. And it's, like, just enough to where you could definitely get content and complacent doing it. But, like, you've got to still... I mean, I don't remember who said this, but motivation is like showering. you got to do it every single day Mm -hmm. because you will get out of it, and it's very easy. I mean, anyone who's gone to the gym and tried to work out for a week straight and doesn't normally work out for a week straight, like you know that next week when you're tired, it's so easy to get out of that habit again. Yeah. Like, ooh, I don't want to do this again. So like,
0: do you have anything in your life that you've ever been really onto and that you stayed on for a long time and you didn't know? Like, I would say the comedy is probably the thing you've gone through. Comedy like is, is probably
1: a... the most consistent and what? it's I mean, the medium hasn't been the most consistent, but like in terms of, you know, wanting to get into humor creatively, it's been pretty much, you know, since I got out of high school, probably while I was in high school too.
0: So what about that you think was the best? Is it that instant gratification of you did a good show and people cheer?
1: Yeah, that's definitely the best about stand up, but like when I do the videos, I like watching people watch them like real close to their face while they're watching it. I get real close. No, I'm just oh but, like watching someone nice. actually watch your video and they like, like I've done a couple in class where like, you don't get a lot of like comedy videos in film classes. You get a lot, especially like student videos are usually like a little artsier. They're like trying to be dramatic. But like, I love being one of the few people in a video class that does a, st- a comedy video and then just seeing people be like, what the please, hell write is what? This? Okay, what
0: is this? I was looking to film school last year. I was still kind of figuring out which direction I'm going to take the psychology. And I wanted to learn how to do it, you know, entertainment production also. Um, and all the film videos I looked at for all the prestigious schools are like super dramatic. Oh, I'm like, could dramatic. we please have yeah. a funny fucking like yeah. nonsensical skit? I did that's just that one, off the wall. I did
1: one in uh, OCC, Oakland Community College's film program and um, ooh, go ooh. Raiders. And they, um, all of them were serious films. And mine was a nine minute long episode of a nature documentary that we looked for Bigfoot. And, um, you know, I won't spoil anything, but we found him and he found us.
0: <laughs> yeah, our dad was showering our back. <laughs> um... But really, I think it'd be so much better if you could do comedy. I think comedy is a hard medium too. They're all like drama. Let's do World War II movies. He didn't shit. have any critiques. He had critiques
1: on every other video in class. He had no critiques on mine because I think he was just taken back that it was like, <laughs> That's a, part it me. was a thought out, like actual comedy episode of something. Jimmy's not going for comedy laughs. He's going for comedy I'm gasps. Going for
0: gasps. <laughs> <laughs> it's the gas, Charlie. <laughs> the gas. <laughs> Okay, so it's always sunny in Philadelphia. All right. So um what else are you doing right now in your life that literally inspires you to keep going? Like what else is going on in your life? You can talk about anything.
1: Well, I'm rapidly approaching 30, and I'm a DoorDash driver, so, you know, the need to get out of that right now is pretty strong. Just watched your eyes glaze over. Yeah, they've been glazed over since I started doing this. I ran into someone from high school last week, and I go, hey, how you doing? She's like, good, what are you up to? I'm like, I'm DoorDashing right now, and immediately I was like, why did you
0: admit that to anyone? Okay, but this is the thing, actually. When I'm in the psych unit, I find a lot of the times people don't even have like genuine clinical psych issues, they're just their lives are not good. And it's like seven, I asked them these seven point questions. You know, what job do you have? Girlfriend or boyfriend? Do you have one? Um, what are your goals for the year? How's your family situation? How's your finances? How's your family situation? Like just basic stuff about their life. And they always have the same, like answer to all of it. There's like five or six things out of those questions that they're really not happy with. And, you know, that actually is enough to get you clinically depressed, but I don't think that, you know, just a pill alone is going to solve that. But a lot of them, when I ask them about what their aspirations are, they want to do DoorDash, and I think it's so funny um, that you have this it's, pessimistic view on it, which makes sense, because if you just want to do DoorDash, all you're going to get is a messed oh, up car. Dude, and, and let me tell you, I'm money.
1: just doing DoorDash right now, and I'm waiting for school to start, so I'm kind of in this holding pattern where like I'm not doing a ton, and it is like, I get how people just go to work, come home, get high, go to sleep. Like I get that lifestyle. Yeah. It is so mind-numbing when you do, like, I'll work all day, and then... I'll like eat lunch, go back out, and then I come home and I'm like, Well, I could work on something right now, or I could go to bed and start this whole day over for four more days of this week. Yeah, like, it sucks it life out of it really does. And like it is not the goal. You make money, but like you are eating it on your car, you're eating it on like gas and all that stuff. So like it is not It's an easy job with no boss. That's, and it's flexible. That's why it's easy to do for people like me who are going to school or like if you have another life or something like that. But like it cannot be the goal of your life is to do something like this. Yeah.
0: So Jimmy's been doing DoorDash for a little while. And that's why I've been, we've had these really awesome, intense conversations about you can't just do DoorDash. Like that has to be totally the side pocket just for finances while you're obtaining something bigger. And a lot of people in the psych unit, that's what they wanted. That is there something bigger? No, I want to do DoorDash. I'm like, you're, I, you need to make money. Sure, do that. But if that's all you're going to do, you're going to come back to the psych ward in a year and realize how unhappy that made you because that's not a goal. It is in no way fulfilling at all. I don't mean to disagree. I don't mean to talk bad about DoorDash drivers. If you have other things going on again, even if you have a family and you're supporting them with DoorDash, no problem. But if you have like Jimmy needs to do more, I know. Oh
1: yeah, no, it's in my face every day. When I get through like my third delivery, I'm like, so this is what you're doing at 28, huh?
0: It's so funny too because he delivers to the hospital I work at. Oh yeah, all the time. Uh I almost don't let me out. He (laughs) He calls me all the time at work. He's like, hey, I just DoorDash this girl at the hospital. You know? I'm like, yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny that that's how her cross paths. I breach
1: doctor patient deliverer confidentiality. Yeah, she got three tacos for lunch. (laughs) (laughs) How's she gonna work after that? (laughs) That's all money. Yeah, I don't know. It's just if people are actually—I mean, it's one thing if like you're just supporting a family and you've got to take up a second job. Like, I get it. Money is at that point the goal, but like, I don't know. I'm young enough. I don't have enough going on outside of this to like i'm not gonna hang my head on this no this is my
0: thing this is my thing i think that people become npcs non-player characters in their own life and they go well i just have to make money and then that becomes their whole thing and they're soul-sucking and they they're the kind of person you drive by on the highway that are just completely staring forward and dead in the eyes Mm -hmm. and you're like i don't think i don't know if they're real (laughs) yeah i know a lot of people like that but i know i but i know that lifestyle too well unfortunately
1: yeah, it's very easy to get sucked into. I yeah. think the trap a lot of people fall into is like just what I did, where you have no plan. Like you have a loose idea of what you want to do and you never put it down on paper and you're like, go for it. Or yeah. you just, I don't know, it's easy to get caught up in like the, like that mentality of like work hard, play hard. I where I worked in the office was literally everyone had that mentality of like work hard, oh play hard. God. So it's like it was so fake though. I know. It's like why are you working this hard if you're gonna go blow your money here and then have to work that hard to get a bit like, <laughs> like do something with it?
0: <laughs> I'm not gonna exaggerate. That time when I worked we worked at this headhunting agency and it was just so freaking artificial with like the I, I worked at car sales and I've never been in a job like the headhunting where I wanted to I was so suicidal every day, and I'm not saying that ironically. I was so depressed, and I'm sure that job had a lot to do with it. It's just
1: like that young, like, there's a company by us. I won't bash it because I know a lot of people No, and it's not a
0: bad place for...
1: It's not. You can be young and start a career there, and, like, you can make a lot of money there. And I think that's a good thing to do if you're, like, in your 20s and you don't know what you want to do, then you know what? There's worse options, right? My thing would be if I would have done that when I was 20 instead of 26, it would have been great because that's, you know eight years of me just making money and actually having financial stability at the end of it to go do what I want at 30. But like, you know, you live the broken, starving artist life for a while. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, well, if I haven't made it, this kind of just ends up in debt. So (laughs) Yeah.
0: And that's not, you know what? The broke, starving artist is not an attractive thing to anyone. And I think that a lot of people use that mantra is a, a mantra to not actually take responsibility. I like, don't necessarily think it's a hundred percent
1: necessary to do what you want to do anymore. I mean, there's the internet. You could go, you, you can put yourself out there without having a lot of money. Yeah. Like, that's m- interesting. And yeah, it's actually. just, it's to the point where like, I know everyone quotes, the, I've heard this so many times in stand up books and everything, but like, Oh, Jay Leno used to drive you know, an hour and a half out of New York to go to a show every night, blah, blah, and it's, well, it's like... different now. That's fine, but that was, like, 1975. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's 2021. We can, you can start a YouTube. You can get on TikTok. Start a podcast. You can do stuff. Yeah, and you're going to have a better opportunity that way, too, because, like, I, there was, you know, a couple of years where I was doing stand-up. Like, I was booking shows every week, and I had, like, three or four a week. And, like, you're going out to these, but even three or four shows a week, like, max, you're hitting 300 people. If you were to blow up on TikTok or YouTube... You are hitting an audience bigger than you would hit in an entire
0: year sometimes with stand And it's permanent, too. So if you put a piece of quality content out there, like th- this podcast, you know, even if I hit five people in a year, that's five, that's five people that he would hit in his comedy show. And then the next year, I don't know, I get ten more people. Like, at least somebody out there is hearing it, and it's good, and it should be timeless in a certain sense, and... I don't know. I just, the stand up shows are good if you're big and if you are getting into them and doing them constantly. But just to go pepper yourself in and out of a little yeah. tiny one every now and then, it just seems like a waste of time anymore. Having
1: a year of quarantine lockdown to reflect really does put things in perspective, too. Like, I know I want to be funny. I know I want to go market that and do something with that. But, like, you know, I don't know if I'm the solo go up on stage, talk for 30 minutes. I've done it and I like it. And I, I like, not to toot my own horn, but I, I know I can do it and actually, like, market that out as a skill. But at the same time, like, you know, I kind of want to explore improv or something like that, which admittedly I thought was very nerdy for a long time, but I think
0: it's time to try it. Whatever. All the good actors and actresses are the the nerds. That's yeah. I started
1: reading a bunch of books on it and like everyone I love.
0: But you know what, though? It's they're nerds because they're genuine. And that's again, like if you're being ingenuine, trying to do what people want you to do or you think you should be doing, no one's going to everyone sees right through that bullshit. Yeah, there's no reason to watch that. You're watching the silhouette of somebody that someone else thinks they should be. It's boring as hell. I'd much rather watch a nerd go up there and talk about like, again, like the thing we were talking about with the film festivals, get up there and put a comedy whenever else putting a doc yeah. a drama because you like comedy. How, even if it doesn't win, how fucking awesome that you can go up there and do that. And that's your presence.
1: Yeah. And I think at this point, it's like, I want to write out, <coughs> excuse me, you did the chocolate rain thing, chocolate, chocolate, breathe, breathe for air. <laughs> um, yeah, I, d- I just think at this point, like putting out, content that i actually appreciate and like and want to see succeed is more important to me than you know going out and hoeing myself for and 30 should, minutes for a stand-up set that i'm only going to be able to use at one place it should
0: always been that way i yeah. mean that's what you want to do is just be as true to yourself as you can but that's, that's what i like
1: watching. that is important to know because i think it started off that way and i think everyone's you know dream when they get off at the beginning probably should and does start that way where you're just going up to be genuine but like I don't know, you get cut up in shit and you it's... can't.
0: You know, you can't do that or else you're going to lose whatever.
1: No, I'm not saying it was the right thing to do at all, but, like, I don't know, going on to the comedy scene, like, it's very easy to go in there and be like, oh, this is a pretty clicky... Scene it, but any scene,
0: if I go into the hospital every day and I do what I think I should be doing, the patients wouldn't like me and I wouldn't be getting anything Taking done. Taking care like, of
1: them, giving them their medication, <laughs> <laughs> food, <laughs> water,
0: yeah. emotional support.
1: Drew, no. we think you should be doing these things. Uh, uh, but, come on.
0: <laughs> but seriously, I go into, I give these groups and people's eyes widen over and they're like, oh my God, that was amazing. I've never been told that. And it's because I'm like, yeah, I'm telling you what I think is right to help you with your mental health the most. And it's not... The piece of paper they gave me about basic coping skills that I'm reading off. It's like, let's go in there and talk about your unconscious shadow. And we're going to talk about how life is full of suffering, but you can make meaning out of it if you want to. And let's talk about personal responsibility. And let's talk about the reasons that you want, why you have to cope. Maybe if you can get rid of some of the horrible stresses in your life instead of coping with them, then we wouldn't have to cope in the first place. So like, I just think it's so important to be genuine. I'm not doing anything where I think that it's morally wrong. I don't think I'm straying anyone or putting anyone in a dangerous situation where you know, I'm not, I'm being, dis, I'm using discretion and I'm doing it in, I think, an appropriate and a professional way.
1: Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's tough in the time that we live in right now, too, because I know a lot of people that, like, they don't spend the hard time on what is the root of their problem. They just, like, it's very easy to go to a doctor and get Adderall or get and, Xanax yeah, or and that's, get something like that. That and is the like, medical
0: industry. And I don't think that everyone who is in the United States medical or Medicare system or anything like that medicine system should be acting like they're victimized because I know plenty of people who have willingly gone up and get, you know, Adderall and drugs that they probably don't need and probably got antidepressants. And I don't even know how much,
1: I mean, to an extent, it's the patient's fault for just like signing on to it. But it's like if, if you're reaching out to get help and the first thing they say is try these drugs. Uh, okay. I think you're set up to kind of be in a shit position. And
0: I'm not saying that all of the responsibility is taking off the system, but we can admit as adults that we have a lot of responsibility. If you're depressed, like the first thing I started doing when I was seriously depressed and maybe you don't want to do this and maybe you're not, you're not in a position to. So, if again, I always say this if you're going to commit suicide or you're planning to do that, go get antidepressants. If that's going to stop you from killing yourself, then I think they're absolutely necessary and totally appropriate to take them. Do that. That's a PSA. But if you're depressed or you're unhappy about your life, maybe you should start looking at the big areas of your life that you're not happy with and start trying to fix those. Read some books. Uh, you know, you, it's silly. Nobody has an excuse not to have all the information in the world at their fingertips right now. So, uh, we're going to take a piss break. <laughs> you want to say anything on the way out? Uh, yeah, I'm going to the back house. <laughs> oh no, there goes that Italian. Okay, so this is something that I think is very important, um, especially since you're a comedian. I don't think we've ever talked about this before. So what is your opinion on the stand-up comics getting censored? Do you know anything about that? Yeah, it sucks. It okay, sucks so ass. what's going on? Because I think this is a huge red flag for the way the country's going, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think this is like the farther
1: the pendulum is going to swing in the direction of like you know, cancel culture and stuff like that. I think everybody's been dancing on eggshells for so long that, like, you get a guy like Bill Burr who comes in and, you know, he's not being ridiculous. He's just saying things that would be considered unpopular opinions, but they're his stand-up the way he wants to do them. So you're getting people that are now, I think, swinging backwards on the pendulum being like, no, we're going to go for, you know, we're going to say what we want to say. It's freedom of speech and all that. But it's ridiculous. I don't know. I I think it's ridiculous that you would look to what a stand-up comedian says... And then pull something out of context, knowing it's going to sound ridiculous.
0: Yeah, so I just want to—I co- want to jump into. Um, I don't know. Maybe this is definitely a touchy subject, but oh well. The Antimima logo—they changed it. I think that goes right along the same censorship, and it's offensive. Yeah, I don't know
1: that, that. That kind of stuff to me seems like it seems like an effort to kind of like diminish the other side's credibility, because like. I don't know. Is it really going to make a difference that Aunt Jemima is no longer on the cereal box? No, or their family the syrup Yeah, their
0: family made a lot of money, and that's they did that thing from
1: they um, Golden Girls where they took down the mud mask episode, and then yeah. people were coming out being like, "We don't actually care about this. You guys are just making it seem like we're petty now." Yeah, so, it's
0: literally the Golden Girls.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It just seems like it's used as a tool more to divide
0: people at this point. Well, I think so too. And I think it's a, I just think it's a big red flag Red flag with the comedy when they start censoring and doing that. And oh, what's another one? Oh, like, what if we took the Italians off pizza boxes? Are you insulted about being Italian because they're out a pizza box? There are Italians on pizza boxes. Son of <laughs> a bitch! Son of a bitch! My son of a <laughs> bitch! My fun, my fun, my 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 gool, no, I'm
1: not a Venom. Right, but, but like, like it's just stupid. It's hard because the Italians were never really like oppressed, but I would imagine Okay,
0: like, what you know, about Mussolini? Yes, they have if you look back in any kind of cultural group, they have been oppressed. I mean oppressed,
1: so okay. Italians I don't think we're ever necessarily enslaved, so I don't think we have like as much a leg to stand on when it comes to like being segregated against And I'm not
0: trying to be like insensitive, I'm really not, but I just think we're taking stupid directions in stupid steps in the wrong direction. Like Oh, hundred
1: percent. And it just seems like now the whole goal is to if anything offends anyone just burn. It's like Fahrenheit 451. It is. You know, this offends you, get rid of it, and I don't think that's a good way to go about anything, because then we're just stuck with a bunch of people that all think exactly the same way, and what do they do when they start realizing that they still hate each other?
0: Yeah, me, <laughs> so my, my twin brother, he's so strange. He's, like, a video game player, but out of nowhere, he has, like, these random things he wants to do. So he got me these books. They're um, It's literally, we both got one for a book club. It's, like, The History of Central Banking, and it's kind of a conspiracy book about, um, like the central powers that want to take over the world and making one world bank and everything, but it's not really a conspiracy. I've, I read it. I liked it a lot, but it's censored. And I'm like, where did you get this? And he goes, I don't know. I had to find it in the black, the black web. I'm like, why are we buying books in the black web? Like that is scary to me. Everything, everything should be open for, I think I remember debate. him
1: telling me that part of that book was a conspiracy stating that the Jews run all the banks so I think that's why that one was censored. Okay,
0: but I get it. And I'm not saying I agree with that, that standpoint. No, I don't not, agree with I'm that, not at the anti-Semitism same time, you at all. Be,
1: I get it. Banning books of any capacity. I'm just saying like if Other you start... Other than the Necronomicon it's is not like probably, they
0: were, Right. They were not saying kill anyone of a certain race or you should hate them or anything like that. And even if they did, it's up to me to determine what that means. Like, I'm not going to... Clearly, I'm not going to turn racist after reading a book. That's silly and that's, that's stupid, but... I just you think got to imagine there are some people out there that were like, I'm, okay. "Oh my God, I get it now." Right, but those are probably the same people banning things because they can't tolerate. Yeah, it just—it's just really, really disheartening to me. All I want is to help people find meaning in their life through generating, doing good things for the world and for themselves that are going to benefit everyone, and we're. It's like we're taking away the freedoms for people to think for themselves, and I hate that. That's so offensive to me. It's
1: a really slippery slope because on one hand you've got like cancel culture, which I think has done some good things. I think like, that some one. people that have been persecuted in cancel culture actually like uh, okay, obviously. We'll uh, Harvey Weinstein definitely deserved to be canceled. Like that guy. And then so opening up the entire be- conversation for Hollywood to be in question. I get that. But it seems like it's taken such a far step you're into need,
0: you you're canceling
1: people with no trial, nothing. You're just putting this. You're saying so-and-so is a rapist. And right. that's going into the world. And there is no trial. There is no yes, I did. No, I didn't. None of that. It's just, oh, cancel him. Take them off his of shows. Yeah, We're so not going to question this.
0: What happened to innocent until proven guilty?
1: And I just think it's silly to... I think we've just hit a point where information shared so quickly and with such a quick spin on the narrative. We that don't,
0: But we don't need cancel culture. We need our courts that are legitimate and as objective as possible. We don't need to have people yeah, deciding that this courts isn't acceptable.
1: Don't take, courts take way longer than public opinion, so that's what you're getting right now is a okay. product of everybody at the same time learning something, and then public opinion is the court.
0: I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm just trying to ration it out with somebody else um, and, and try to learn, because I just don't like censorship. I'm not a fan of any kind of censorship. Obviously, if somebody screams, you know, we have certain laws. Don't scream fire in a building. Don't literally say you're going to kill someone or bomb threats or anything and that makes sense but just to go up and say offensive things and everyone literally banishes you from public speaking anymore that's dangerous yeah, it seems and i'm reading a lot of books right now about like the origins of
1: comedy and it seems very familiar to a place where like lenny bruce came out and was getting arrested when he would come off stage for what he was saying yeah and it's like no you're not getting arrested anymore but you are getting like no you're
0: getting you're getting I, psychologically arrested I, the which is i have
1: is like They're taking it out of context of a comedian. So it would be like if I was claiming to know astrophysics and then I pulled all of the context I had out of a Marvel comic book. Like, you're pulling it out of something that already is silly in nature and then expecting it to look rational. It's not going to look rational. You're taking
0: it out of context from something that is ridiculous. Yeah, but it's not just... So Jordan Peterson always says that once the comedians start getting flagged, that's a sign that the um world is in a very very bad order the, the country's in not good shape because the comedians are the one who speak the truth well,
1: you already feel like you can't say
0: shit so anymore. that's the thing i was just curious I mean, if you would ever come up with any of that cancel culture shit in any of your sets or if you know comedians. Yeah, i mean who I,
1: I know a couple comedians that have said some shit at like an open mic and it's just it's clicky and whether or not they meant it or were taken out of context or how it was like i've been around for some and i've not been around for some and some of them really seem like it was just kind of like you know taken poorly but shouldn't be grounds for complete dismissal and other ones seem like yeah maybe that guy was you know asking for it a little bit and that wasn't cool but it's just you know you leave it up to people to decide and people are going to have their opinions yeah so what what they do with it is kind of i mean i mean at that point it's kind of on the person that said it i
0: just have a question if you so are you going to start putting your comedy out on like youtube and stuff like that and putting it out on the internet yeah it's
1: hard because like Like, in the classical sense of being a comedian, you want to gain enough material to then be able to put it out there. But if you put it all on YouTube immediately, you're kind of, like, burning a set. That being said, at the level I'm at, like... Burn a bunch of them, yo. Yeah, it's not Let's talk about the fool's journey again. Yeah,
0: people aren't, like, Googling my name when they're thinking of a comedian right now, so... Yeah. Do you have anything on YouTube that isn't from a bit too much? Um, Hashtag a bit too much.
1: I've got one short set from 20 Front Street.
0: Which is, like, a, a local restaurant.
1: Yeah, it's um it's a cool venue but they it's like maybe a five minute set just so I could have a video. Um but a lot of my stuff I just I record and then I use it for like practicing or looking back on and stuff like that. It really does help to see to record yourself
0: and then see how you look, yeah. or like what you do. And I think that's the utility too, that still exists in small stand-up comedy shows. You do get that instant feedback where else do you get that? Oh, I mean, yeah. literally instant. The only place,
1: you, like, I think one of the few art forms where you get that immediate feedback and it's not like, you know, you're a flautist where you can practice being a flautist at home and then go out and know you're going to have a good show. It's literally like, okay, I wrote these jokes, did not test them at home because who would have, no one's around to give me any feedback. Yeah and then you've just got to go out to an audience of mixed individuals and be like, all
0: right, here we go. Yeah, I think that's my theory on why you've done stand-up for so long because psychologically, if you're going to stick with something and make it a habit, you have to have that instant feedback. That's why so many people stop their New Year's resolutions because they don't get thinner in the first week. But like a better option is to feel better. So if you go and do a workout and then you feel a lot better, that's a better incentive than saying, I haven't lost 10 pounds. But the same thing with comedy. You get that instant feedback, yeah. even if it's been bad sometimes. Well, that's part of the
1: draw is like, you know, you're not going to always have a good night. God knows I've had plenty of bad nights, but like the draw is, and I think there's always been the draw about stand up to me is like self-actualization through it. You're getting immediate
0: feedback. So what is self-actualization to you? So it's,
1: I mean, in the sense that like, I know what's funny in my head and I can say it out loud to a group of people, but it may not be funny to them. (laughs) Like knowing what's really funny and what's just like funny to you. And then being able to be like, is this really a funny joke? Does it just need to be tweaked differently, or something like that? But I like the idea of actually like getting a gauge on who you are as a person, how your views are received, and all that.
0: Kind that's of a stuff. that's actually great uh, self actualization. If I could say that word, um, I part of it is that you are aligned mentally with reality, so you know, you know, you you speak the truth, you know the truth, that kind of a thing. So I think that's pretty interesting. Uh,
1: I've definitely said some it. things on stage that like. <laughs> you know, make you reconsider your view entirely.
0: <laughs> yeah, him, yeah, your existence,
1: pretty much. Like, I've got five jokes on this, and the first one flops, and you're like, oh, maybe it's the topic. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, but I've also worked some jobs that have made me feel the same way, and at yeah. least you're getting something beneficial out of
1: the comedy. Yeah. It's, I don't know, I like having that immediate feedback, and then it's funny, too, because like, you have a bad night with a room full of people who had good nights, and like, mm-hmm. everyone's coming up at the end of it like, oh my god, you did really good to uh-huh. the other people, and then they're looking at you like, oh, we gotta get to the car. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, yeah. So I have a question. If somebody was interested in getting into some kind of an entertainment like that, where you're putting yourself out in front of people, it could be comedy or like even improv. I know you've done some stuff like improv, now.
1: No, not professionally, not like technically.
0: What would you recommend they do to get past that hurdle of I'm terrified? Holy shit, I'm gonna. F- I'm literally just just go hands. do
1: it and have the attitude of win or lose, this is going to be funny, and find the humor in failing.
0: How much material do you think you need to go up there and, and not bomb if you're just doing a five-minute set? How much stuff do you have? If you can
1: time it out for five minutes, I mean, timing it in your apartment is going to be faster than timing it on stage where you're waiting for laugh breaks and stuff like that because you don't know. I mean... There have been jokes where I write, like, pause for laugh, and okay. then there's he no laugh. He literally carries anymore. around a laugh box with him, so
0: there will oh, be yeah. no pause for laugh. Yeah. He brought it over this morning. I'm trying to do homework, literally clicking the laugh box down my head. <laughs> um, I
1: I don't know. If you're going to do five minutes of material, time it out wherever you live. Time it as many times as you can, but, like, the best way to find out what you're going to do is going out and doing it. And Just be, like, if you're getting into stand-up comedy, I'd imagine you have a good enough sense of humor. Bring that into your, and, like, humble yourself. It's going to humble you if you don't humble yourself. So you've got to go out there and pretty much, like, be ready to fail if it does happen. And then, like, I mean, you talk to other comedians, too, and it helps to know other comedians, because if you do bomb, they've been there, too. So it's easy to soften the blow and be like, oh, dude, I sucked. Or like, oh, you did really good. And they'll give you feedback and stuff. But it's just go out there and meet people. And, like, ugh. I don't know. It's cheesy, but don't be afraid to fail because you're probably going to.
0: Yeah, I I don't think I've ever seen anyone. Who, I saw this one guy one night. Oh my god, he was like 17 year old kid and he just did so bad, so bad. Was it at one of my shows? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like an hour away, some kind of like sandbar place. Oh yeah, he did so bad. But you know what? He went up there and honestly, there was a part in my soul that really admired him for doing. You that. And just he kept going. going.
1: It's you gotta look for the value and everything. So yeah. like, even if you do. Consider yourself a failure after the first time. Like, you went up there and did it. And if that's all you're trying to achieve out of the first one, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you did it.
0: And then you'll find a community too from doing that. Like, I think the biggest thing that has kept Jimmy going or me with anything I've ever done is that you have a community of people that are around you that are doing something similar and they have a lot to teach you.
1: Oh, absolutely. And like, you meet people that'll get you on other rooms. And if you have rooms, you'll get people on those rooms. And it's just, it's a whole networking business. But like, if you're going up for the first time and you're going to try it, just. Just take a breath and go do it. Because it's... I got really lucky the first time I did it. I did really well. Like, that was a really good feeling. And is that I, Mark Ridley's? Yes. And that gave me a really nice buzz to keep doing it. I don't know what would have happened if... I mean, the next two times I sucked. Like, real bad. I went to a bar the second time. And then I went to, like, another bar the third time. And it's just... You go from, like, a comedy club crowd that's full to, like, a bar that barely knows comedy is about to happen. Like, that can be discouraging. have oh, yeah, seen those before. Yeah. But... I don't know. I mean, if you bomb the first time, you can look at it as like, I've only got room to grow. But like, I don't know if you do really well the first time, it gives you that motivation to be like, all right, let's go do this again.
0: So getting back to self-actualization, we're going to talk about transcendent experiences and um, getting into flow. So I don't know if you know, do you know what flow is? It's literally where you pretty much- Progressive. No, you pretty, flow, whatever (laughs) happens. Anyways. She's still doing it. (laughs) Um, You get into this state where almost your five senses drift away. And you're literally just in your space and you don't care. Time passes away. Like Like an out of body
1: astral experience. I know projection. I
0: wouldn't say so astrally. It's like you're still obviously in your body, but like a
1: meditation.
0: Yeah, but like a mm, yeah, like a working meditation. You're not just sitting there doing nothing. So have you ever had any of those doing stand up? Like when I go up to the psych hospital and I do a really freaking good group. I'm like literally at the end of it, I don't know how much time has passed and I swear to god I'm sweating.
1: I'm yeah, sweating. your stream of consciousness is totally different when you're doing when you're out in stage like yeah. regardless of stand up or not. It's even if you're just doing public speaking. It is different. Time is different like you're that's why you want to time yourself out before cuz you go up there and you're like shoot, I just plowed through, through like 8 minutes of material in 3 minutes. But it's totally different and like it's weird too because some of my best jokes have come from like the in between parts of the jokes I've written, so like just riffing in between or saying something like that, and you don't even think about it, but that's why it's so important to like go and practice stand up because you find some of your best stuff just being conversational on stage.
0: Yeah, I was listening to a, uh, a comedian one day, and he said the only thing he plans is five minutes at the at the start, five minutes in the middle, five minutes at the end. The rest he just that's goes with All you gotta with. do, you yep. have
1: to come in strong and end strong, and usually you want to leave on a high note. So like if you kill it on your second to last joke and you're a little shaky on your last joke i don't know i would leave in that scenario yeah
0: i've done that before have you really off stage
1: yeah if i'm like 30 seconds away from the finish and okay. i have one not more like joke, one joke you're in your no, yeah <laughs> wow i killed it
0: <laughs> out <laughs> uh, that's really funny one out of one for old jim yeah. <laughs> we're in the money Just walk off stage twirling a cane okay so we're talking about this too um I'm writing a book. I'm going to call it Drift Proof. Yeah, I want it to be out by the end of the year, but who knows if that's going to happen. But one of the big chapters I put, and one of the big things I've found to be true from my life is listening to your intuition, that gut feeling that you have. So have you had a lot of gut feelings that this is it, like this entertainment industry, even if you don't know exactly, like this is it for me. My gut's just, things are just lining up. Yeah, like there have been times when I get off stage and I'm like, I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing,
1: whether it's stand-up or not. It is like the audience feedback and the going out and being funny. Like there's something that, I think I'm lucky enough to have felt where I feel like a lot of people like you know you got to find your voice or something like that. But like I'm lucky enough to had it to have had a good enough handful of shows to where like I know this is something I can do.
0: I wouldn't even say that's luck though. You just talked about how bad you bombed some of them. I would think that ninety percent of people who want to get it's commodity...
1: not just luck, but like I don't know. That's a comedian's mentality is like you never. I don't think you're ever satisfied with how you sure. do. And, like, I'll never give myself an A on a show I've done. And
0: that's it. But you still know in your heart that when you left occasionally, you know, whatever one or handful of times that was, that this is it. And you had you that You feel guy. it
1: in yourself. And you're like, this is the most honest I'm being. And this is, yeah. his, like, you feel it. And you're like, wow, this is what I'm supposed to be doing I've, right now.
0: I've had that, too, with the psych unit, giving groups. And I'm like, oh, my God. I just, you, I don't know. That is what it's like, I think, to be in a flow or be in that self. That same, transcendent experience like that where you're aligned with yourself. Yeah. So I think that's so important to mention. Um, what are, I don't know, have you ever had that feeling in another job before? Like when you were working Never, that? no, never. Yeah. I've never had
1: that feeling in a job.
0: Even when I was selling cars and I liked that job and I was good at it. But I never had anything where I was like, oh my God, sweating at the end of it, like that was amazing. Usually it was like, I had a good day. but I've had
1: like a tremendous sense of accomplishment. But I've never had sure. like a tremendous sense of fulfillment from a, a job. I have a question.
0: Do you think that sense of accomplishment was partly just the ego saying this is what you should be doing and that is why? No, I think it's just
1: way. from like knowing you did a good job and okay. being like, wow, that was definitely notable. Like I accomplished that. But mm-hmm. I think more so with stand up, it's been like, wow, that was like that fed the soul. I was yeah. good to go there.
0: And I still don't mean to talk bad about anyone else's jobs, or if you're doing DoorDash, or you're working at a headhunting agency, or if you're selling cars. Like, I'm not trying to talk bad about that, but this whole podcast is designed to get you into that state of flow, where you're totally aligned with what you want to do, and you wake up and you're like, I'm ready, let's do it. This is well, right where I It could be, I be anything. I mean, um, anything even with anyone. stand-up,
1: like I wouldn't even say it was from the medium of doing stand-up comedy. I would say it was from getting a laugh in front of people and knowing that there are other people out there that... I relate to on a level of humor.
0: You think it's funny?
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, though, I think that could be done through improv. I think that could be done through, like, you know, sketch comedy or anything like that. But it's just a matter of, like, I don't know. You know me. All I've done, oh I God, put yeah. the joke
0: first every time every time i show up I an the hour early first. podcast today, i'm like shit i'm really trying to do homework literally behind me just telling um, he probably talked for 10 minutes without me responding and he yeah kept
1: going no I, I just i love joking and i don't do you remember when we were in spanish that one time and i was making a joke about something in front of the class and one girl was like i get everything you want to do is like be jokey but like can you just be serious for one second and i'm like you bitch yeah she was in,
0: <laughs> she was in the opposite of flow Taken yeah. away from other people's cubs. I don't
1: believe in calling women a bitch. But she was. A- <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but I, I don't know. It's just my first instinct is always to make a joke. And whether that's good or bad, I think that's something that,
0: like, really makes me feel like myself. And that's honestly, me and Jimmy have had so many, I mean, existentially frustrated conversations between the two of us trying to figure out what we want to do. And you know once you start getting into it and you look back you're like why did i make such a big deal out of this like i always literally he's been making videos since he's been 5 years old of him trying to be funny like he's always done this it's Those always were working. funny but then you get so caught up being in you know a quote unquote adult and you you lose that and then you overcomplicate and think it's not even that you don't know what you want to do it's you don't think it's realistic so then you could try to convince yourself with your ego it's not what you want to do Dude, the That's amount I, of
1: times lately i've felt like um John C. Riley and Step Brothers when like he takes the Chewbacca mask off while he's doing taxes like that is <laughs> what it feels like to grow up to me right now. Yes, if you
0: haven't seen Step Brothers, that is absolutely he's doing journey. taxes and
1: he takes his Chewbacca mask off <laughs> to, so he can do more taxes. <laughs> when separated, it's all sad. Yeah,
0: that is what growing up has okay. felt like to me. Lately. Seriously though, but that's because it's so against what you want, and it's it's such a funny like I used to watch him try to be professional in this. In this job that he was at the market, it's like agency. so.
1: It's not like I can do it, but it's just like it. You, you can tell someone's doing it, and it's not who they are necessarily. Oh, no,
0: it, at all. I I just because I know him so well, and I was in the marketing internship at the time. The job he had before—that's what how I got into the job. And I got to do the fun shit, and I like to go make jokes. I was making these dumb videos with people, and totally just—I was totally berating them in front of a camera and making fun of like. Just that they seem silly. Like, it was fun. They let me do it. So I'm like, of course I'm going to take advantage and make these hilarious videos for the company. And I would look over at Jimmy, and he just literally, the soul was sucked out of his eyes. Yeah,
1: and like, I when I had that internship I before you were there, that is exactly what I did, was uh, I was, yeah. like, messing with people with the camera, and then I got into that job, and I was like, oh, this is not the fun part that yeah. I know and, right now.
0: And I've seen Jimmy wrestling with this for years. Like, I've done it, too. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm just as guilty, but... um, now that i've gotten more aligned of what i want and i'm I'm making it more realistic for myself it's hard for me to watch him do these things still or like doordash and it's always that same it's been what probably 12 jobs with the same pattern over yeah. the last oh, 12 yeah. 12 and they're not years. again
1: like i'm not looking for a career when i get into these jobs i'm yeah. looking for but then a they, job
0: but then they consume but you
1: they do and it's so hard to get out of that trap when you are at a job that like and i i'm always good about telling them like beforehand like you know, what I'm, what my intentions are and what I want to do. And then I do stand up and all that. And usually that's received well, but like no job ever. It always gets to a point where they're going to need more out of you than you can give if that's your intention. Yeah, And, for me, it's always been, like, I'll cater to the job because they're paying me and, and I can't lose the job. And
0: in my opinion, you should be catering to the job. If you work for anyone else, you better 100%. be. hundred percent.
1: That's why it's it's stupid for me to go in and be like, you know, I've got stand-up this, this, and this, but mm-hmm. you guys are paying me right now and you need an employee, so.
0: Yeah, they go, stand up later, sit down now, and call, make some phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but really, if you're working for somewhere and you're not giving your hundred percent, I don't care who you are. You need to stop doing yourself and the company you're working for a disservice because that's not fair. Don't have ass two things. We've always worked. Yeah. So me and Jimmy, I'll give it to a, Like we we're lost and we're trying to figure it out, but I have always been a hard worker and he's always been a hard worker and I've always worked with people who have just been there just to do the least possible amount of work, get their paycheck and get out of there and it just pisses me off. That is... That is a perfect example of what it means to be drifting and what this podcast is based about, making sure you don't really what you don't do. Also, we're going to say it now because I made the gosh darn logo (laughs) and I'm like, does this look good to you, Jimmy? Everyone's like, yeah, it looks good. He goes, DP. It's DP. Kids, Google DP to find this podcast. I'm like, (laughs) gosh darn it. You know what? It's whatever. I'm gay. If I get double penetration podcast and that brings in more (laughs) listeners, I'm all for it, man. Double penetration if you want It's captivating. Oh my God. So, um... I'll make a shirt out of that. I yeah. Don't know. Two dicks going in each year. Yeah. Unless <laughs> I yeah. drift, the other one said proof on it. <laughs> so that's funny. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, I was going to ask you questions, gone. Uh, okay, give me... I, I really want you to give me like a five-year plan of what you want because this whole... Podcast again. It's about planning out the life you want, and you're not going to hit it right the first time. No, you're, you're not going to hit so, it off if you don't aim.
1: I've got one year of school right now until mm-hmm. I can go and get the jobs that I'm looking for. Back and to school, Possibly back move, to school. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> possibly move out of state and go from there. But essentially, what I'd like to do is start up a production company where I can start making these movies and marketing these movies and getting them into festivals and stuff like that.
0: Pow pow, Catalina Wine- Pow.
1: And then from there, it's pretty much like, I don't know, I'd love to play with the film festival scene and go that route. I'd also really like to get, this is kind of a side quest, but like getting into improv is somewhere I'd like to try, like, you know, exercising comedy at this point. Because I love comedy, but I just feel like everything I liked about it being a solo act is something that I've now come to appreciate would be cool about improv is like
0: going up there with a team, Mm -hmm. seeing where it goes, collaborating, all that. It's such a different feel. I was, oh, yeah. I was initially going to do this podcast and do primarily me speaking, but I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. I love talking to other people about their lives. That's the It gets point. real ranty. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't want to just bring up random current events and shit in my life because it's boring. Like I want to talk to you about what you think about your life and mine and how it's going and it's so much more interesting. So I think it's so, I think that's why Saturday Night Live is so good because of the chemistry on set. Any good sitcom or anything, it's not just one person, like there are good comedians that go up there, but you can only watch so much of a scene of movie like, Oh, you got maybe an hour. Yeah, and then you're before
1: like... Before you're like... Mm, but like skits. Yeah,
0: skits with multiple people. With sketches good kind of are good. I go but watch like, all they I
1: like what Tim Robinson's doing with I Think You Should Leave where he's doing like 16-minute episodes because I think that's a reasonable amount of comedy and it leaves you wanting more sketches.
0: All right, so you are an expert in this um, field, I would say. Uh, give me like a couple good... If nobody knows comedy or anything or any of the past ones, like give me some of your favorite comedians and tell me why they're favorite or what resources that people can look up to where they can find them.
1: So Chris Farley is one of the bigger ones that's obviously is that a fat pun no no but he's a really good one in the sense that like he went out and was if you ever read like a biography or anything about him his whole thing was like being true to the audience and like putting on a good show so i think for stand-up that's helped me a lot getting into that mindset of like this isn't for me like it's my stuff but this is more for like making sure these people while they're here have a good time and do that um one of the older ones that I really like if you're going into like the history would be like a Lenny Bruce who was like at the forefront of breaking down the freedom of speech barriers and all that stuff and actually being able to get comedy into like a mainstream access. That's cool. Um, but then like some of the newer ones like Bill Burr is top down my favorite one like he's my number one right now
0: he's amazing he is one of he the few is, people yeah. i've watched the podcast where he just rants and i'm like he, i don't know how i know he does it. and
1: you can listen to his podcast forever and like it doesn't get old listening to him in his own head yeah he's like very aware of himself mm-hmm. and the world and he's just got a very good like no nonsense in the sense of like i'm not gonna you're not gonna tell me how to do my act which right. is something that's very appealing i think especially now with so many people who are like you know being censored and all that like he does a very good job my
0: at- favorite thing was when he does ads and he makes fun of them but Oh yeah. sells- <laughs> sherry's berries sherry's berries and and your, keep- i don't know get your big berries he keeps laughing at him. yeah but that's a great way to advertise that's what it I is do he with- makes
1: fun of the ads which mm-hmm. is what brought me into his podcast initially was like hearing the ads and sherry's berries yeah is hilarious if
0: you still want to get me um you know, give us some feedback on what you guys think about us doing that with local businesses. Because I would totally make the a bit too much thing. With oh, yeah. Local businesses yeah. Ads. I had a great hilarious. time. Yeah. Um, like, we need to have more genuine. Sh- I'm so sick of getting advertised to like, um, I don't know, uh, uh, algorithm. And I cannot stand. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of my pillow for me. Like, you know what? If my the my pillow guy went up there and did something funny, like we were talking earlier, we found this big ass bag of popcorn in the microwave, and we're like, how yeah. funny would this to put a pillowcase on and do a skit where just you wake, wake up, up and just reach yeah. in the bag and so he didn't go back to sleep, quiet your alarm? Like, that'd be hilarious if you did a my pillow commercial like that or something. I don't know. I'd it buy it. It feels
1: like you're sleeping on popcorn. I'm Mike Lindell. <laughs> here to introduce my popcorn <laughs>
0: <laughs> for no reason, but I would buy it.
1: The heat of your head actually pops the kernels while you're sleeping. <laughs> genius, genius, <laughs> Cecil ensuring you wake up to a fresh scent of popcorn every morning
0: <laughs> um so i just want to throw it out my favorite comedian is kathleen madigan if you guys don't know she's she is amazing oh my yeah. god she's a tiny little irish woman and she just she's tells so funny she does what i think jimmy would be great at just telling stories about her family and like general just things from her life but she does a lot of family stuff and it is just so it's all about her attitude up on stage yeah it's that i got a beer and cigarette in my hand right now and let's just go like i'm not even talking on a set. I'm just It's hard it. to
1: be genuine about our parents because some of the stuff they do is so polarizing. But, like, it's funny to us because we've grown up with them. Oh, it, my like, gosh, yeah. My God. Some of the shit is, like... Like, what's a mild one? Just dad waking up on a Saturday or a Sunday and dad's just cooking with...
0: <laughs> with Literally a lit cigarette in his a mouth. lit
1: cigarette and a wife beater cooking
0: bacon. Like, getting splattered all over oh by God. it. We... Wait, we... Uh, my mom wanted to start going to church. She's been getting religious, as a lot of parents do in their older ages. But... Um, which I have no problem with. But she... She's like, "Come on, sip." We call him "sip." Uh, mm-hmm. Let's let's go to church this week. He goes, "I am going to church. I'm going to Saint Mattress." Goes yeah. back over, <laughs> <laughs> like just stupid shit. But he's hilarious. You could never replicate the guy if you follow. Oh my yeah, god, no. we, we were thinking about just falling around with the camera. Because that yeah, would be a sitcom in itself. I still
1: think sip moments would be great if he just told us a story and we reenacted it.
0: Literally, he he used to, he still does it. He pees outside of the car for no apparent reason. When there's a bathroom, public bathroom <laughs> closed. He'll literally get out of his truck at a parking lot, open the door, and then fake act like he's fixing the wiper blade. With and just be and pissing. And pissing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I cannot believe you're doing this in a Walmart <laughs> parking lot right now. I, ridi- I mean, just ridiculous. He does not give a shit. And there's times where I've been very embarrassed. But as I get older, I'm like, you know what? At least he's genuine. What yeah, am I going to say? Yeah.
1: And it's, I don't know. I think the funniest stuff, too, is like the stuff that people all relate to on a fundamental level. And like that is one of those people that, like, everyone has someone like him, oh, but for no sure. one has him. Yeah. 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 For yeah. sure. <laughs> it
0: just cracks me up. But he's, he's given us our sense of humor. And I will never, ever forget that. That is such an important part of my yeah. life, especially in psychology. You have to have a sense of humor. Like, I don't care what anyone says. Professional boundaries are good, but you have to have a sense of humor. Um, that's like the best coping skill, in my opinion. hundred um, percent. So we're at an hour. Yeah. You think it's good? Yeah. Cool. I can make an hour and ten with some random gibberish like on the front. Come back on. Right? No kidding. Uh. <laughs> He'll be back on. He's already holding yeah. the mic like he's gonna be back on next time. Well, um, thank you guys so much. Do you want to say anything else? <coughs> he's, sorry, he's hitting a vape. <laughs> Give me a second. Uh, you guys can find
1: me on Instagram at Jimmy Sip. It's Jimmy with the Y C I P. I'll put all your stuff on that. Okay. The podcast yeah. and then notes. A bit too much. Yeah. We are, we, a bit
0: too much. Please, if you guys have like just it's you could watch a video for two minutes. The best one that we have is Black Claw. It's a parody. It's a parody of um it's White, a Claw White Claw for Claw Men. For men. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. You can see me, um, my twin brother David and Jimmy in it and very
1: tasteful, very
0: artistic. <laughs> 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 it's just the best. Like you have to see this video. Um other than that. Uh, If you guys ever see a silver Volkswagen Jetta without any hubcaps, dropping off some food, please, for the love of God, don't eat it. Wave.
1: Don't be weird. I'll say hi. I buckle everyone's food in. It's very safe. He's got some fries in his hands. (laughs) This is where I live, Buddy's Pizza.
0: (laughs) So thank you so much for coming on today. This has been an absolute riot. This is probably the, my favorite I had a blast. podcast. I yeah, so Drew,
1: fun. have me on whenever I yeah, love it. Not
0: to insult anyone else, but we just have the best chemistry I anyone I've talked to. Google um,
1: DP if you're looking for the podcast. <laughs> put your search on Incognito and Google DP. <laughs> All
0: right, so thank you so much. You guys have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, I don't know, say some Italian. Palabado.